the topic. We'll be talking about a number of passages of Scripture and people in the Bible that will help us to understand that theme. God is still speaking to his people today. I hope you believe that because he is. It might not be face-to-face as, as in the case of some Old Testament, especially Moses, but it is certainly just as powerful. God is in the business of speaking to his people and letting them know what it is he wants from them. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, help us to hear you today. Help us to obey you today. Help us to fervently seek you in every day of our lives and to see you as the God who is always speaking to us. We pray in Jesus' holy name, amen. The goal, uh, for me at least for this series, is to show you that God has moved in the past, he is moving in the present, and I think we see from example in the Bible how that happens. When you look at the Bible, you see that God pursues people, right? He chases them. He goes after them. He wants them and wants them to understand his message. I think he's still pursuing people today. I think in the Old Testament and New Testament, you can see that God is in the business of restoring people. He's a restoring God. And I think we will see in this series that he's still in the restoring business today. Restoring people, putting them on a solid foundation and giving them his grace and eternal life. He provided for people in the past and he is still providing for his people today. He will not see his people forsaken. So when you look at this, and think of who he is, you cannot escape the fact that he is the great I am. Amen? He is the great I am, still the eternal, the self-existent, the infinite, the all-powerful, the all-knowing, the I am. And his name has not changed, and his purpose has not changed. And today, I want us to learn how that God is still speaking to his people. Now, the scripture passage we're going to look at is going to be taken from Exodus 13. We'll be reading that as we go through the, the sermon, so I won't start it right now. But as you look through the Bible, starting in Genesis, you'll discover that at least 10 times in the book of Genesis, the Bible says, and God said, and God said. And when he spoke, he spoke things into existence. We look at the Old Testament, we see that. We, we see Israel continuing to hear from God as he led them throughout their lives, in the good times and in the bad times. He did it through people. He did it through priests. He did it through kings. He used his people. He spoke to his people to bring them to awareness of who he was and what he wanted in their life. We look at the prophets. We look at someone like Moses. And we see how that God spoke to him. In the New Testament, God spoke through his son, Jesus. We look at the book of Hebrews, and we read these words, Hebrews 1, 1 and 2. Long ago, and at many times, in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he's spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom he also created the world. We read about God throughout the pages of the Bible. And in that scripture, we acknowledge his message and we acknowledge that he is still speaking to us today. And if God is still speaking, how can we really know it's him? How do we ascertain his voice from the many things that speak to us in our mind and in our spirit? Is, is it audible? Probably not, not like Moses. Is it intelligible? I think it is. 
I think that the more important question, and let me bring it to you when I ask this, is God speaking to you? And if God is speaking to you, when was the last time he did? And how confident were you that it was him? I think as we think about some things, it brings to focus uh, the truth of that. When a situation arises, when a decision is before you, when a choice must be made, when wisdom is needed, those are times when we're looking to hear from God, right? We want to know him. We want to hear from him. We want to be assured that he is speaking to us and that we are following his dictates, whatever he wants from us, however he speaks to us. How do you know? How do you discern the voice of God? Do you believe God is still speaking? I hope you do. Turn with me, if you will, to Exodus chapter 3, and let's get started. We're going to read Exodus 3, 1 through 6 uh, this morning as you stand in honor of reading God's word Exodus 3, 1 through 6. Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. And he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of the bush. He looked and behold, the bush was burning and yet it was not consumed. And Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight, why the bush is not burned. When the Lord saw that he turned aside, God called him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here am I. Then he said, Do not come near. Take off your sandals from your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. Thank you. You may be seated. A number of years ago, Henry Blackaby and Claude King wrote a best-selling book called Experiencing God. Maybe you went through that as a study in your church. I know we did. I led many, many studies in that book, and it was very beneficial for many people. As you read through his book, uh, especially in this passage that you come to in Exodus chapter 3, uh, he writes four distinguishing marks of experiencing God. And how God is speaking. I want to share those with you as a basis for what we talk about today. Number one, when God spoke, it usually was unique to the individual. In this case, the burning bush. But that was different from Abraham. It was different from Elijah. And it was different from Samuel. But God spoke individually. Second, When God spoke, the person was sure that God was speaking. He introduced himself, and Moses, as we read, did what? Hit his face. He knew it was God. There was no question at all whether God was speaking to him or not. Number three, when God spoke, the person knew what God said. They may have doubted that they were up for the job, but they did not doubt what God said. If you have your Bible, look at verse 13 there in uh, Exodus chapter 3. Moses said, suppose I go to Israel and they say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me, and they ask, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? He wasn't sure what to do at that point. He knew that God had told him to do that, but he didn't quite feel he was ready for the job. He wasn't the only person that did that. You look through the New Testament and someone like Gideon, he wasn't exactly sure either. You look at Jonah, he really didn't want to, but they knew what the job was, didn't they? They knew that God had spoke to them. They knew what they were being asked to do, even if they didn't feel like they were up for it. Number four, 
When God spoke, this was the encounter with God. There was no looking behind another door. There was the, that was the experience. God spoke. That is important. Many other religions will tell you that it's a gateway to learn more of this and more of that, or you experience deeper, and if you'll come, we'll share with you more that you need to know. No, when God spoke, you knew it. And that was the experience. You had experienced God. I think the immediate kickback is going to be from you to me but pastor Moses was different that had to be specific in the Bible to just him and the, that experience he doesn't speak to me like that he doesn't speak to the people I know like that they're living here and now well I understand that I get it I, I wish that it could be said of me that I, I had seen God face to face but in Exodus chapter 33 verse 11 a it says this Thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. Yes, he did speak to Moses like that. But he's going to speak to you differently today. I would remind you that Jesus lives in you, right? That you have the Holy Spirit, that you have the Bible, the revelation that can speak to you directly as you read it and pray. So as we look at these things today, I want to see some ways in which the Bible speaks to us. It would be an awesome if if. God could speak to us like he did to Moses. I wish God spoke face to face. But I believe as you listen to the Spirit of God, as you read his word, as you pray and look for him in different areas we'll talk about today, that you can be sure he is speaking, just like Moses was. That you can be certain of what he is saying, just like Moses did. That you can have an encounter and you can experience God and know that he is talking to you today and directing your life. You are not spun out into a world without any help or any hope or any direction. God is still speaking today. Let's talk about that, how crucial it is. Blackaby and King state in the book, if you have trouble hearing God speak, you are in trouble at the very heart of your Christian experience. And to that, I would say amen. If you don't know God is speaking to you, you're lost. You don't know what to do. You don't know where to go. But the Bible says in John 10, 27, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. The I am is still speaking. He's still talking to you. How can we be certain? Well, let's go from how God generally speaks to everyone and compare it to how he specifically speaks to those who follow him. Number one, I think God speaks to us through his creation. At least that's what he says in the Bible. Sometimes people think, and I, I sure wish God would write it in the skies, that, you know, he exists, hi, I am. <laughs> that would be handy, wouldn't it? You know, just like one of those planes that... that put the smoke in the air if God would just take his finger and write you know here's what I want you to do world that would be great but that's not what he's chosen to do here's what Psalm 19 1 through 2 says the heavens declare his glory the glory of God and the sky above proclaims his handiwork day to day pours out speech and night to night reveals knowledge pours out speech and reveals knowledge god is still speaking can i get an amen he is speaking now we know it's true no one that has stood in the vastness of the night and looked at the stars or seen the mountain ranges 
or looked off into the endless ocean would ever deny that there wasn't a creator or even the sun itself. How can we deny what we have and what we have? Just the small place in which we live that could create life just in this place. All the planets that are around us, everything that we see, how they, everybody keeps looking for life on other planets, and all we know is here. How can we deny that God did not bless this place? I think in that moment when we think about that, we think of something greater than ourselves. We see how small we are, how infinite God is, and how finite we are in existence. And it's in that moment that we, I think, hear God speaking. When you look at Romans 1, 18 through 20, we read this. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteous suppre- unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power, divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made so they are without excuse. The world itself testifies that God is speaking to them. As we look at the creation, we know that there is a God. And we cannot deny that, and we should be listening to what he's trying to tell us. That he is the creator and that he is in control. God speaks to us through his creation. In creation, he shows us what values of, uh, of life he has. The diversity of all the different things on the planet that he's created. Everything that is there for us. You know, we're still finding things that we didn't know were species. I was reading uh, a, a text the other day. And, and it was a salamander. It was a small thing. But they had never seen it before. There are still things that we don't know. You know, we hardly know what's in the depths of the ocean. We, we haven't a clue. We're finding things all the time. God's vastness and diversity that he's created for us still amazes us. Rebecca Barlow Jordan writes this, By observing an ant's strength to store up food all summer long, we learn God's wisdom and work. Isn't that what the Bible says? Go to the ant, thou sluggard. That's what it says in the Old Testament. Learn from the ant. Learn from what we see. By planting and growing a garden, we see the cycle of death and life, especially in the heat that we've had this month. You see that, and you can learn from creation. There is a creator. He is speaking to us, trying to get our attention through creation. Secondly, I believe through conscience. All of us have a conscience. We have something innate within us that God has placed. If you look at the scripture in Romans 2, 14 through 15, for when Gentiles who do not have law by nature do what the law requires, they are law to themselves even though they do not have the law. They show that the work of the law is written on their hearts. That's conscience. While their conscience also bears witness and their conflicting thoughts accuse or even excuse them. Even without the law, the Jews had. The Bible says that we, who were the Gentiles, understood what was right and what was wrong. It was written on our heart. We know when we do wrong, and it accuses us. We know when we do right, and the feeling that we get that we've done the right thing. It is part of who we are. It's our conscience. Now, 
I recognize that maybe your conscience can't be fully trusted, that you may be able to talk yourself into doing things, that this is the right thing because it makes you feel good or it's something you want. I think sin can lead us down that road. Certainly it can be deceiving. But I want to remind you that the old adage of following your gut or it feels right might get you into trouble. The Bible tells us that our own hearts can deceive us. You look at Jeremiah 17, 19, it says that. We need to be extremely careful, I believe. But I do believe that a conscience is, is there and that it is speaking. But you know, the Bible talks that we can kind of sear our conscience. It talks about it in the sense of a hardened heart. Remember Pharaoh? How he hardened his heart against the the people. His heart became seared and he knew what was right, but he no longer could feel that because he went against his heart so many times that it finally just became hard. So I think we are wise to display some discernment when we think about conscience. We are not without excuse because of creation. We are not without excuse because of conscience. The weight of it bears down upon us. And unless we have turned away from it so many times that we have seared or hardened our heart, it can be a director to God through creation and through conscience. Three, also, I I think, well, no, let me, let me, I have a couple other verses. Uh, he, He also put eternity into a man's heart. Uh, I think the difference between right and wrong, the desire for justice to take place and wrongs to be made right, I believe he has the desires of this world cannot fill us. And we know that there is a God. Because the desires can't be filled with anything else than God, we recognize there must be something more and that God is still speaking. Number three, circumstances. God speaks to us through our own circumstances as well as the circumstances of others. As you experience things in this life, as things happen to you, they get your attention, don't they? They speak to you. I I think now and again it takes spiritual discernment to know what God is saying through those circumstances. How do I sort out what God is trying to say to me? I think it's like with our conscience, I have to be careful uh, that that every circumstance, you know, maybe the washer just broke. Maybe God wasn't trying to tell me something, or maybe he was. I need to stop and at least look at the situation and figure out what's happened to me right now, and is it a reason for that to happen? Did I have a flat tire because I just didn't take care of my tires? Or did I have a flat tire because God wanted me to stop right there and not turn into something worse? Circumstances need to be looked at. I think one way that God speaks to us uh, is through that. You look at the Old Testament and you have earthquakes, you have uh, fires, you have a small, still voice, and God speaks through some of those. I think through circumstances, he teaches us some things. I think he shows us the brevity of life. We all have people that we love that have passed away, and as we grieve through that we recognize that life is not forever and that we need to make some choices about the life that we have i think we we discover that we're not in control as we look at the circumstances do you feel in control i don't many times it seems like circumstances are beyond my control that as much as i try things are beyond my ability to control and take care of i think also when people come to help he's showing that there are those who 
have the Spirit of God in them, that they value you as an individual. There are people who help you out at times. I think that's encouragement from God to tell you that he is there, that he cares about you. I think in his word we learn how that the Bible says creation groans until that time that we are with him, that there's something within us that because of the circumstances that we're in recognizes that we need God. And certainly when we feel out of control, he does. I think when things happen like that in circumstances, he says, get ready. I'm trying to speak to you. Listen to what I'm going to say. I read this many years ago in a, in a class, and I held on to it. C.S. Lewis said these words. God whispers to us in our pleasures. He speaks in our consciences, but he shouts in our pains. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. God speaks to us through circumstances. He speaks to us through creation. He speaks to us through conscience. He speaks to us through circumstances. These are what we call a general revelation. Everybody has this. Everybody experiences this. So the Gentile and the Jew both could experience this apart from the law. But now we move into something more direct. Number four, Christ speaks to us. As we read the Bible, John 1, 1, 14 says this, In the beginning was the Word, Jesus, and the Word was, Jesus, was with God, and the Word, Jesus, was God, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and full of truth. Jesus is the full and final revelation of God. He is everything. He is God. And as God, he revealed it. Didn't God say, this is my son, listen to him? Listen to what he has to say. It's God's revelation to us through his only begotten son. God is not playing a game of Marco Polo with us. Do you remember that game? You, you somehow close your eyes or blindfold yourself in the water and you'd bounce around and someone would say, Marco, and then someone would say, Polo, Marco, Polo, and you tried to play water tag is what that was. You tried to catch the person without seeing them, without really knowing what was going on. That's not God. He's not playing some eternal game of Marco Polo. He wants you to find him. And he's revealed himself in his son. He's speaking and he's saying, I'm right here here i'm with you i'm nigh unto you he says he told his disciples in john 14 if you have seen me what you have seen the father that's revelation that's god speaking to you if you hear jesus you are hearing from god you want to hear god find a red letter bible and look at all those words Find the words of Jesus in the New Testament. All of those he spoke and many others that the Bible doesn't even record. We heard from God through Jesus. Bottom line is, if you want to hear from God, turn to his word and read what his son has said. He is a revelation from God. Number five, canon of scripture. That's all, the whole Bible. Canon is everything. That's what that word means. It's the entire Bible that you and I have in our hands. Not just the New Testament, the Old Testament. Not just the Old Testament, but the New Testament. All of it speaks of God. It's, it's a word that means a measuring stick. 
That's what canon means. So when I read this Bible, it measures for me what God wants for me, how he wants me to live, and what he wants me to do. As a measuring stick, he's revealed to me his meaning, his purpose for my life. Uh, I've got a few passages I want to read to you that maybe help understand this idea of God's word being a canon and a, a measuring stick for us. First of all, Isaiah 40, verse 8, the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Everything God has said is still true. The second to that is Matthew 24, 35, heaven and earth will pass away, but what? My words will not pass away. What God has spoken is still true right now. What he told the Old Testament prophets is true for you today. What he told the disciples is true for you today. It is not just a story. It is his history and how he brought his word to you. We read on and we find in Hebrews 4, 12, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit and of joints and of marrow, discerning the thoughts and intents of the heart. 2 Timothy three sixteen and 17, All scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for what? For teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. 1 Peter 1, 21. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man. This book was not written by men. It was inspired by God. He spoke through them to you. God, as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. God is still speaking. And he uses this canon of scripture, this word, this ruler, this yardstick, to tell you what he wants from you and explain to you how you've gotten to this point and what he expects is going to happen in the future. That's why your time is important. That time alone you spend with God. That time you spend every day in reading his word is important because God has the opportunity to speak to you and you have a chance to hear. But if you never open this book, if you never read it, if you only come on Sundays and expect to be fed and never read yourself, you will never hear every day from God. Open the book. Listen to what he has to say. He will speak to you through his word. Holy Spirit will help you to understand what the Bible is trying to tell you. And it, I think, brings me to that next one that he, that he helps us to understand by, and that is through counsel of the Holy Spirit. I think, number six, as we look at that, the Holy Spirit's role is to glorify Jesus by taking what he has said and enabling us to understand it. And that is why it's, I think in the Bible, he's called the Spirit of Truth. That we hear that and we know that it's true and the Spirit leads us in what needs to happen. The Bible calls him a counselor. Someone who comes along beside you. The, the, the word in the New Testament is, is parakleo. Para means beside. And kleo means someone who is called along beside. The picture is of a, an attorney that would go with you to court and he would stand beside you and he would explain your situation and interpret for you what the law means. 
And that's what the Holy Spirit is for us. He's a counselor who goes along beside us, helping us to understand God. And the Bible says interpreting those times when we even don't know what we want. But we cry out in agony to God, and the Holy Spirit interprets for us. He is a counselor on our behalf. John 16, 13 through 14 says this, When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak of his own authority. But whatever he hears, he will speak. He will declare to you what the things are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. That is the Holy Spirit's job, and that's what he does. That's what he does for you. He helps you to understand what Jesus wants out of your life. God speaks to us by the Holy Spirit. That is so important to understand and believe. And that he never contradicts the word of god so if you have something whispering in your ear saying you know it's okay to steal you know that's not the spirit of truth amen because it contradicts the word of god if someone says to you in your mind you know it'd be okay to cheat on your income tax you know that's not from god because that's what god says in his word we should do those things that he speaks to us will complement and agree with the word of God. A final way that God is still speaking to us today, I believe, is through his church. Through the people around you. The giftedness that you have. You have a gift. And your gift complements my gift. And together we help each other. We complement each other. We build each other up. We encourage each other. Certainly, I, I think that, that means teaching and preaching. I, I know that. But I think it's more than that. I think it, it, it helps us to communicate with each other in the giftedness that we have. Romans says this in 10, 14, 15, and 17. How then will they call upon him whom they have not believed? How are they to believe in him whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? How are they to preach unless someone is sent, as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those that preach the good news. So faith comes by hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. But I would remind you, where are they sent from? Here. You. The church. You are the ones who help encourage and teach and lead people to follow the voice of God. I remember when I was growing up, and, and I, I, the first sermon I preached was at 12. I was 12 years old. And then occasionally they would have me preach, and they called them Marty's mini-sermons. <laughs> you know, it was at a church in Tulsa. And I would get to preach 10, 15 minutes. And that was the way that they developed me, and they called me. And people would say, ultimately, when I was ordained or when I was licensed and then ordained, we knew you would be a minister. And I didn't know when I was a 9 or 10 year old child that that was it but the church recognized something they never told me they never, they never tried to put me on the spot but when it came out they supported me and I believe that's what we should do to those within the body encourage, lead, guide, direct the church helps us hear the wisdom of God it proclaims the truth of God it teaches the truth of God it encourages people to follow God and that's why there is the Bible says an abundance of wisdom in many counselors we use the giftedness that we have to speak for God 
It's in his word. We learn it. We teach it. We understand it. But we help people to interpret it, explain to them how it may meet their life. There's some things that the Bible speaks about that we should do or avoid. And it's in the presence of people who have experienced things that we begin to understand what some of those things are. I think uh, in church we discover that sexual immorality is wrong and it tells us how to avoid it and people can explain to either young girls or young boys what it is and how to avoid it. I think the church teaches us how to give. People show that they give every week. They, you see it through the offering plates, and people get to learn from people who give on a regular basis how it blesses them. You, you, you see, we're teaching, we're learning, we're encouraging by just the things we do in church, by the love that we show people, by the justice that we show people, by living out the Ten Commandments we show people how we're supposed to live. We show them by the way that we do our mission. By living out what Jesus asked us to do. I, I, I think there are some things that, that help us, but there are some things that are some gray areas. Those others are pretty clear. I can find answers to those things in the Bible we talked about. But where should I live? What location should I be at? Is it, is it the right time to change jobs? Uh, should we move forward with an adoption in our, in our family? Do I take the next step in this relationship between a, a man and a woman? Uh, do I go to McDonald's or Whataburger? <laughs> I mean, those are decisions that are gray, aren't they? Some things are left up to us because of choice and preference but others are a little bit more codified and we see those in the scripture and we learn from interpreting that within the body of the church. There's nothing like hearing the voice of God and knowing what it is. But, but there's nothing like not hearing it either. You see, I think the problem that many of us have in this time and age is that Something is keeping us from hearing God. Maybe experiences have not taught us. Maybe reading the Bible has not led us to an understanding or we prayed through the Spirit and we've not got an answer. Why is that? Here's the problem. And here, I think, is why many may not hear God. Number one, sin. I think sin can cut us off from God. 1 Corinthians 2, 14, the natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. If you do not accept God, you'll never find out what God's trying to say. But I think also, for us, we can cut God off too. 2 Corinthians 4, 4 says this, in the cases of the God of this world has blinded them of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel and the glory of Christ who is the image of God. So what do we do? We, we have to admit that we are sinners, confess that sin, accept what God offers so that we can be connected to him again. Amos says this in Amos 8, 12 through 14. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will send a famine of the land, not a famine of bread, not a thirst of water, but of hearing of the word of the Lord 
They shall wander from sea to sea, north to east. They shall run to and fro, seek the word of the Lord, but they shall not find it. I think the reason that happened in the Old Testament in Amos' day was because of the sin in the life of the nation. Can't that be true for us too? Secondly, I think stubbornness can keep us from hearing God. That's a reason we don't hear from God. Hebrews says this in 3, uh, 7 through 8 and 13. Today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in rebellion on the day of testing in the wilderness, but exhort one another every day as long as it is called today that none of you may be hardened by deceitfulness of sin. It mentions sin again. But the issue there is a stubbornness in our heart. Don't be deceived. If you keep cutting God off, you will eventually not hear anymore you will harden your heart and not be able to hear the still small voice stubbornness can keep us from hearing god says i want you to be a minister i want you to be a missionary i want you to give to this group or this cause or this church or i want you to spend time doing this and you go later i'm not ready or you pull a moses and go send somebody else it's stubbornness I think that sometimes keeps us from hearing God. I think we need to listen. My challenge to you is to listen to God today, to not be stubborn. Maybe you need to go to a person and ask forgiveness. God's told you to do it, and you said, no, I can't. Did you share Jesus with the person who God told you to do? Did maybe someone get promoted above you and you've held something in your heart someone got something you didn't it didn't go the way you wanted did you give is the way that god wanted don't be stubborn follow god three i think self we're so busy about ourselves sometimes we're so wrapped up in ourselves sometimes that we do not hear god speaking we're so concerned about me and i and mine and what i want to do that we can't hear god we're not asking what god wants we're saying what we want it's our dreams and our voice that we listen to it's ourself when god speaks of self in all aspects you know what he wants of self he wants self-crucified. He wants us to crucify ourselves and pick up our cross and follow him. Our reputation is not what's important. It's God's will that we should follow. I think self can make us not hear God. That's what Moses did. Moses was trying not to hear God. He had a lot of excuses why he couldn't be the one and yet, God chose him. I think, lastly, silence can keep us from hearing God. That may sound strange. We're living for Christ. We're seeking him. We're reading his words. The best of our knowledge, we're doing everything that we're supposed to do. We're repentant in our lifestyle. We've done everything we're supposed to do to be obedient to him, and yet we have not heard from God. You know what God is saying? Wait. Wait on me. Wait for the perfect time. But I don't want to wait, God. I can call Amazon and have it here tomorrow, right? We're used to that. We're used to, to going to our phone and finding an app and downloading it. We're used to getting a song at the push of a button. We're used to not having to wait on dinner. We even get appetizers while we wait on dinner. 
Isn't that funny? That's who we are. We can't wait. But that is what God wants from us, to wait on him. And so silence sometimes may keep us from hearing God because we get frustrated in waiting. Back to Moses. I think we learn from him. He was waiting in the desert, in the wilderness for how long? 40 years. 40 years before God spoke. Isn't that encouraging? <laughs> Thanks, Pastor. You mean i got to wait 40 years? No, I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is you need to wait on God. Exodus 3.1, now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law. He was waiting to hear from God. He was going about his daily routine. He was doing what he was supposed to do. And then one day, God showed up and changed everything. Maybe you're in a period of time where God seems silent. Keep doing what you're doing. Do these things. Keep reading the Bible. Keep looking in God's word. Keep coming to church and getting wise counsel. Keep walking in the truth that is led by the Holy Spirit. Keep surrendering to what God has spoken to your heart the last time you heard him. All those things are important. Wait on God. There are things that are worth waiting for. Keep doing what you're doing, and I believe he will speak. I believe he's still speaking. I believe he is still the great I am. Will you listen to him today? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you. We ask you to speak to us in this moment. We are frustrated sometimes in the waiting, in the silence. And yet you made Moses wait till the time was right. Lord, we take this passage of Scripture from Exodus and we learn that you are still speaking to us. You are the always God. And over the next few weeks, reveal to us who you are and what you do in our lives. We place ourselves in your hands. We listen to you today and, and see the ways that you speak to us. And we want to experience you fresh and anew. So God, we call upon you to help us. Help us to hear from you. Help us to be patient. Help us to read. Help us to study. Help us to, to speak through the Holy Spirit to those things that we have no answers for. And then we believe that you will speak when you are ready. We ask it all in Jesus' holy name. Amen.